Well, again, happy, happy Mother's Day to all you moms out there. I know we, earlier we had everybody stand up who, who is a mom who celebrated you. How about everybody who's had a mom? I'm just kidding. So well done to you as well. Uh, good, good job. Uh, so great to be celebrating that with you today. Uh, so as Chip mentioned, it just so happens we're in a sermon series about family, but we're not going to focus on motherhood today, all right? I know sometimes that can be a traditional thing. You come to church and, you know, Mother's Day, it's like, well, you're going to talk about moms, right? Moms are going to give you a break, though, right, and let you, let you breathe. Let's talk about kids today. Is that, is that where? Yeah, let's, let's talk about kids today. And here, here's the thing. We're going to talk about childhood today, but, but in a much broader scope than just for those of you that have children at home and are currently raising them, okay? So this sermon this morning is not just for parents, but it's for anyone who has ever had a childhood, all right? I think that covers most of us. I'm pretty sure, yeah, a little uncomfortable laughter there. That's, that's, about what I, that's about what I thought. Everybody's childhood, every generation, it's a little bit different, right? Because whatever parenting we had in our life, we'll have some things that we're like, you know what, I want to I wanna keep that tradition going, or I want to, you know, that was a good thing that my parents did, or I, I'd like to, you know, change that just a little bit, let's modify that, because my parents were a little old school, right? Or some things that we'd like to completely toss out of the window and just never hear ever again. And so each generation we go, sometimes we, we lose some things that maybe we should hold on to. Maybe sometimes we improve some things that should have been improved, but people were too ingrained in that. But all of us are affected a little bit differently by our childhoods. Uh, so like one of those things that has kind of gone by the wayside, I think, I, I think for most of us, we probably are not this is not something that was taught to us or we heard a whole lot, maybe a few of us in here, but you ever heard the phrase, children should be seen and not heard, right? Like some of, some of us have heard that and, and you know, but it's, it's one of those things that's completely gone out the window at this point. You can just tell from parenting these days, you know, anywhere you go, that that is not a thing anymore. And I think it's something that needs to come back. Any, anybody with me? Are we, are we good with that? Right, yeah. Children should be seen and not heard. Although there is a, so I wouldn't be totally upset if we were reinstitute that, but we kind of shifted a, away from that. Although there is an age, just to let you know, in which if you can't see your kids and they get real quiet, you should probably check on them. You, you should probably see what's, what's going on there. So just a little bit of wisdom there, there for you. The most difficult thing to do when it comes to how we treat children or think about our, you know, our childhood and how we were raised is finding the, out the right balance to strike. For example, seen and not heard, that teaches some discipline. It teaches some respect. That's a really good thing. But it might swing the pendulum a little too far away from teaching children their value and their purpose, inviting them into our lives, that, those kinds of things. And while parents have the greatest potential influence and responsibility for raising their ch child, whether we have kids or whether, you know, our friends or family have them, how we interact with kids, how we process the experiencing and learning from our own childhoods helps us to shape what we've been taught and what we've learned matters the most in our life. And here's what I mean by that. Take, take just a second. I want you to think about your own childhood and think about a word or maybe a three-word three phrase that sums up your childhood. What did you learn the most from how you were raised? And don't, don't say it out loud, but just kind of think, think of that in your head. And maybe that's something that you need to process a little bit uh, longer than just a few seconds here this morning, but you can kind of ponder that a little bit. What were you taught? What was the most important thing in your family, in your childhood as you were growing up? What did your family care about or taught 
what did they teach the most? Either actively or passively, right? I mean, it could be either, either one of those things. What did they teach the most? If we were going to go around the room or leave a comment online, I imagine we'd come up with some similar answers here and there. We'd have some unique ones as well, but I think we'd also have a pretty good mix of positive and negative things as well. Even in an ideal situation or family you know, dynamic, no family is perfect. And so not all of us have had picture-perfect childhoods where we've been taught the perfect thing all along the way. We've gotten it right in every single situation. But when you take into account the overall trajectory of what we've been pointed to, there are distinct paths that are presented for us. Ultimately, the responsibility of what we do with that, it falls on our shoulders, but the foundation that's laid before us matters, and it kind of affects how we approach things and how we take care of things as we go through life. Not everyone has been raised by their parent. Some of us just grew up with adults in the house, and so we learn different things from that reason. Some of us have been raised by our parents. We were taught things, you know, by them. There's a coexistence sometimes, but not necessarily an intentional approach to that relational dynamic and that responsibility, and that can create a void of expectation and direction that takes decades for us to work through as we process through life. So no matter what your experience, whether it's a child or a parent or an adult that has the potential to influence a child's life, which includes all of us, um, there are two things that I want to talk about that we can, if we orient these things, orient our lives around these things, how we influence children around these things, how we think about our own childhood and how that's affected our nature and nurture in our life, um, you'll be provided with the best foundation for the life and relationship God desires for us. Sometimes, uh, just keep, keep this in mind, you know, that this is not just, just for parents, but sometimes we're the ones who need the raising, all right? So here, here, are, two, here are two things. Here's, here's the first one, how to, how to raise a child or how to think about your own child. First is that we need to be taught that God creates us with intrinsic value. I, I think this is a sentiment that all of us will, well, obviously, duh. I mean, that's something that we would immediately agree to on the surface but you start digging down just a little bit into the society and culture that we're brought up into, into, and intrinsic value is not a current ethic that we are taught, or one that is celebrated currently in our, in our culture. In fact, uh, our culture generally primarily pursues instrumental value. Instrumental value being that which helps us achieve an end that we feel that we want, or an intrinsic value being that which in and of itself has worth, how God creates us. Most of us don't have the experience of being raised essentially to be free farmhands, right? I mean, that, that kind of used to be a thing. Oh, let's have 15 kids because that's free labor for the farm. That, like, that, that's great. That's, that's how we do things. But there are plenty of other attitudes and ways we've passed on a corrupted version of that same ideal, you know, instrumental value. Maybe you had that experience growing up where your parents or whoever your adult you know, guardian was, cared about you based on your academic achievement or maybe your performance on the ball field, uh, maybe your career, maybe, maybe you were treated as an inconvenience by the adults in your life, maybe, uh, maybe you were treated as a, as a way for your parent to live vicariously through you and, and you felt that and you're dealing with that, maybe you were an easy target to lash out against you know, from your own parents, you know, whoever adults were around you for their own anger or insecurity or anxieties. You know, along the way, as we get older and older, we learn from human interaction that we have to compensate. It doesn't take too many years for us to get from the point in our, you know, real little childhood at the playground where you go up and everybody's a friend. Do you remember those days? 
I, I don't, I can't remember that far back, you know, but my, my kids take them at every, at every age, you know, we would take them to the park, Lily's the youngest now, we'd take them to the park and any kid that was there, they would hang out with, they would play with, now it's, now you gotta be my friend or I gotta know who you are, you know, because now we'll say, I, I don't necessarily like that kid, so I'm probably not going to hang out with them in the, in the park. So we kind of learn that as, as we go, that people, we start treating people as if they have only instrumental value rather than intrinsic value. And this isn't the lesson that God intended for us to learn as we grow up. In fact, with Jesus, children didn't just matter to him. They weren't just important. He tells us to model our lives after them. In Mark chapter 10, verse 13 People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. And the disciples, you know, you could, you could see where they're coming from. You know, Jesus is there with the crowds he's teaching, and they don't want kids coming up in the middle of things, screaming, running around, squirming, you know, making noises, all the distractions that they would bring with them, not to mention the space that they would take away from the adults. And so they're like, hey, you guys need to stay over here. You guys are not important enough to be in the space. And yet Jesus corrects them because this was about something much greater than kids getting in the way. It was about equal access to God. And, and nobody, nobody is kept away from Jesus. And it's about the nature by which we approach him and one another, the humility and hope and trust that we should engage life in like a child. It's not only meant to be nurtured, but it's meant to be instructive for us as adults. And so not only should we be engaged with how and why children matter, it should guide our own thinking about our own self-worth. The, the older I get, the more I convince that there is no difference between children and adults. I, I don't know if you've experienced that. The, the only difference is the level of childlikeness versus childishness in our lives. All right? that, that is it. Now, as adults, we have find fancy ways to create more complex problems for ourselves, surely. But in general, you know, the same dynamics bear out as you, as you go through life. There's so many, so many times as an adult I'm looking over and I'm like, are we still in middle school? Like, what, what, is, what is going on here? Is this really how, how we're going to act? The, the, you know, the dynamic is often all too familiar. The less we're convinced by our intrinsic value from being made in the image of God, the more confused we become about right versus wrong, decision-making, consistency, and morality and ethics, and how to navigate how things are versus how things ought to be. And children are intrinsically valuable, therefore you are intrinsically valuable for who God naturally and spiritually created you to be. And this should be the guide for how we raise them and how we treat them and how we think about our own lives. For me, the most important wisdom to keep track of this comes from Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. You will do yourself a favor by memorizing this verse. Shart children off in the way that they should go, and even when they are old, they will not depart from it. Now, start children off kind of sounds like, you know, you put them on the starting line and it's just like, oh, okay, you know, like you, you go that way and, let, and we'll kind of kind of sit back and watch what happens. But the force of this word here in Proverbs actually means to train, all right, to dedicate. And so this is a very intentional approach for us when we are, are living this out. 
And so here's the second big thing about how, how we raise a child, how we think about our own lives, is that we need to train them in wise decision-making. Which means as people who have the potential influence, you know, the potential to influence a child, we need to be training ourselves in wise decision-making ourselves. If we aren't modeling the work for them, they aren't going to know how to follow it. And this is where we get down to the nitty-gritty and the difference between having children and raising children. Generally speaking, it's pretty easy to have kids. Now, I know that's a... As a, speaking as a man, you know, that, that means some, some things, you know, right? But, but regardless, I, and we're talking about, you know, children being with you, whether you, you're talking about having children naturally, adopting, all, all that kind of stuff. When you pit that against, because there's difficulties representing all those things, when you pit that against having children versus raising them, raising them is, is a much more significant, significantly difficult thing to do. Renee and I talked about how we wanted to raise our children. And beyond the obvious, most important thing for us, which is for them to know and follow Jesus, right? We, we all agree that's the most obvious and important thing for, for children to know and be and do. We committed early on to placing a high value on telling them the truth anytime they asked this question. So we thought about, like, hey, what, what are the things that we feel like are extremely important for us to train up our child in the way that should go so when they're older, they will not depart from it. And for us, it was telling them the truth. And when I say that, I'm not talking about breaking out graphs and diagrams and showing pictures and, and, and like going into a dissertation in every question that, that they have. You can imagine that there are some questions that, that could be pretty, pretty awkward, you know, to, to do that for. But every question they've asked, we, we've told them the truth. And sometimes that creates some controversy for us, like particularly around the holidays. I'm trying to be intentionally vague here but yet convey a particular idea about a particular subject. And yet we made that, that commitment and we've stayed consistent with that. And why is that? Because we want our children to see that consistency in our lives and know that when they come and have questions for us that we're gonna give them the answers to those questions. Although I did get a smart aleck response from one of my children the other day. Uh, they asked me if I was a scientist when I was talking to them about germs. And... Um, <laughs> thought I needed to be a scientist to know how germs work, so just to let you know they survived that. We want our kids to be able to trust us, and so that, that was our thinking in setting that standard for ourselves when it comes to our children, so we aren't going to lie to them. You know, Sunday church for us, I mean, so many, so many things that flow into that in, in, our, in our lives, right? So, so many other decisions that we have made and standards that we have set to train them up so that when they are older, they will not depart from the way that we, were, we are living. Like Sunday church for us as a family is a, is a first priority over everything else, not because I'm a pastor, but because I want them to know and love the truth with a community of believers because that is wise living that God calls us into and because I don't want them to depart from that. We place a high value on truth when we ask them to tell us what has happened because we want them to learn how to develop trustworthiness. When they lie to us, that breaks trust. It hurts the relationship. We set limits on screen time because we know they'll suffer from, from it. If we don't, they'll suffer from it in their mental health. They'll suffer from it in their relationships. We set limits and expectations on what kind of content they consume. We expect them to clean the rooms, help with chores, so they can learn the, the relationship between responsibility and consequences. 
We encourage them to pursue their interests and to work at them so they can experience the reward of effort. We don't prioritize their schedules over ours so they don't learn to think of themselves as the center of the universe. We don't give them what they want all the time so they won't learn to be selfish. We help them process their feelings and their emotions alongside reality so that they learn the difference between right and wrong. We don't helicopter parent them. We don't hover over them, but we give them responsibility and give them the opportunity to succeed or fail and then help them to learn the right lessons through either one. We eat dinner together. We talk about our lives. We care about what's happening to them. We treat them as people who are equally cared about by God and we engage them in that way. And I, I could go on, there's so many things that, that flow into that, but the reason that we do all those things, the reason that we set those standards, those expectations for ourselves and for our kids, is because when they have the choice, when they get older, because they will at some point to not care about anything that we ever say ever again, right? I mean, because there's gonna be a moment in time where they make that choice. The thing that I pray that they come away with the most is that whatever that looks like down the road in their life is that their mother and their father, their decision-making was pointed to the truth and that that truth is Jesus. Proverbs 22.6 is a principle, not a promise. And sometimes I think that it's read in such a way or that people hear it in such a way that say, okay, if I believe in God and if I take my kids to church, they'll follow that same pattern when they get older. But this training in righteousness goes so much further than belief and attendance. It's all about helping them to develop the ability to make the wise decision when we're not around, to learn how to follow God even when somebody isn't hovering over top of them. And nobody gets this perfect. Every parent is making this up as they go. We don't get individual you know, uh, uh, instruction manuals for all the different nuanced things that come along with every child because every child is completely different. But the value of our parenting or our friendship with those children is not based on what a child decides to do later as an adult, but what we direct them to while they're our responsibility. Someone is training the children. Someone's doing it. And if it's not us, who is it? Someone is training them to have a moral, ethical, and spiritual foundation. If that's not going to be God, it's going to be something else. Someone is training them in what to be entertained by and where to derive pleasure. Someone is training them in how to think and process their emotions. Someone is training them how to pursue victory and how to handle defeat. Someone is training them on how to receive and give love, find purpose and meaning, and what value they should place on life. And if it's not us, and that's not directed toward God, it's going to be headed in another way. And if we, if, you know, if, if the kids around us are just growing up with adults rather than being raised with them in an intentional way, you know, the, the things that are cared about predominantly in our culture are going to be the self, social issues, political issues, econ economic issues, but these are constantly shifting targets and platforms and they consistently produce dissatisfaction, unrest, fear, and anxiety. But there is a better way. There's a better way for our children and there's a better way for us forward, regardless of what our childhoods were like. And that is to teach and show how God's intrinsic value for them and for us empowers us to make eternally wise decisions that outlast the temporary allure of worldly ones. Children need and thrive on healthy discipline and direction. 
boundaries, standards, and expectation are what help create the freedom for us to make wise decisions. We need them, and our children need them. And so whether or not you had a childhood that modeled this or are finding your own way through raising your own children, the first, uh, you know, I just want to look back at the first five verses of Proverbs 22 is a great place to start in how we do this. And so right before verse 6, Proverbs 22, 1 through 5 says this. A good name is more desirable than great riches to be esteemed is better than silver or gold. Learning that character is more important over what we acquire, you know, our material possessions and what we accomplish in life, is an important foundational lesson. Rich and poor have this in common. The Lord is the maker of them all. I, I love that one. You know, when it comes to God, when it comes to his creation, you know, the, the thing, we are the pinnacle of his creation. We are all standing on equal footing before him. The prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. That, that might be a, a nice one to text somebody in your family. I, I don't know if you've got a sibling or something like that, you want to send that one to. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Make the wise decision. Learning how to make the wise decision by looking down the road at the consequences rather than just following through on the feelings and emotions of the moment, Right? Humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are riches and honor in life. Humility builds life. Pride causes it to stumble and crumble. And the paths of the wicked are snares and pitfalls, but those who would preserve their life stay far from them. Your paths of righteousness, those boundaries, those healthy disciplines that we incorporate in our life, they actually free us. They, they keep us in freedom to pursue love and faith and hope. And wickedness makes it harder and harder to experience that joy in life. And so teaching them these principles will point them to the promise of God. Putting them into practice in our own lives will point us to the promises of God. Give forgiveness and grace if you grew up with parents but weren't raised by them. I understand that, you know, may, maybe there were some weaknesses there that they just didn't know how to navigate. And you and I are going to have those same things. And, and let us turn to God and seek that out from rather than looking back uh, and wishing we, we, had it, we had it then. Also, give forgiveness and grace to yourself if your child isn't perfect. We're, we're all in good company on this because none of us have raised perfect children. None of us have been perfect children. Continue to pray for them and model for them who Jesus is. They're going to make their own choices at some point in their life if they're not already, but we can still show them the right path even when they aren't walking it. That's what we're called to do. May we be intentional in how we are raising and influencing the children in our lives, and we are all influencers of children. May we also be intentional in how we are becoming more like children as we rely on God and who he is and how he shows us the way that we should go as citizens of his kingdom. Let's pray. God, we, um, while we can't blame our childhoods for, for anything, we can certainly see the, the impact that they leave on our lives, the, the way that we've been imprinted by them. And God, we know that, that how we're raised and how we influence the children in our life, it, it matters. Those, those things affect generations. And so, God, we ask that you help us to stay centered on who you have called us to be when it comes to training up a child in the way that they should go so when they're older they will not depart from us, that we see the importance of, of pointing, pointing ourselves, pointing children in our lives to, to Jesus. Because as, as we do that, that helps them to experience life 
not in the broken, not solely in the broken way that sin causes it to be experienced, but in the way that you always wanted for us and wanted to, uh, for us to experience. God, we ask that you help us to uh, be guided by these things, to not be caught up too much in the moment that we're in right now, but in the moments that, that you have for us to experience down the road and how that shapes and affects and dictates how, how we teach, how we respond, and how we live our lives. God, we praise you for the opportunity that we have to come freely to you, that there's no obstacle to Jesus, no matter, no matter what we've experienced or where we are in our lives, so that we can experience the, the eternal love and care that you have for us. It's in Jesus' name we thank you and we pray. Amen.